1: I tell you what, I've got a, I've got a believe, I believe a short but poignant word for you and it really relates to what Nadavia's uh, Torah portion was about and some of your comments, Nadavia. Our whole thing here seems to be connected uh, and not ordained by me, but you know who. And so that kind of goes along with our, our families. I love this family. This family is such a wonderful family. Uh, all the kids. I love the kids very much. I love the, and, 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 and the, the parents. is just a wonderful family, and I, I feel very connected to them. And, uh, and so I, the, the word is connected, really. And I'll, I'll tell you, first of all, um, probably much like this family. I, I, I do enjoy musicals. I'm a musical kind of a guy. I was uh, in various bands and stuff. And, uh, but also, uh, I, I love Broadway musicals. I really love Les Miserables. Okay, some of you know Les Mis. Oh, I'm a huge Les Mis fan. You too, Margaret, right? You love Les Mis. Oh, you know all of it, don't you? Me too. Oh, man, I know every bit of it. The greatest Broadway show ever, uh, in my opinion, of course, and that really says something. A lot of great Broadway shows. I love the music, which is amazing. I love the story, which is profound and deeply, deeply uh, moving and meaningful. It oftentimes brings me to tears when I watch and listen to Les Mis. Uh, Absolutely beautiful. Uh, To me, it's a profoundly spiritual story. Profoundly, spirit, deeply spiritual. Uh, at one key moment, and I'm not—it doesn't give away very much. It's right at the beginning of the musical. At one key moment, of course, you have Jean Valjean who has stolen the silver cups from the church, uh, and and when he is caught and facing the remainder of his life in prison, the bishop forgives him, and even more, gives him the silver candlesticks. Also, it's a very powerful scene. And so the moral of the story is, please steal from our house of worship. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm not, it's, not I'm I mean, it's not what I'm trying to say. It's not, it's not the point here. Uh, Luke chapter 6, it's, it's a beautiful story, though, it really is. Luke chapter 6, mm. so, so moving in and meaningful, uh, God's mercy, uh, and uh, Nadavia, hopefully you can tell how that relates to what you were talking about, about Joseph. Here in Luke chapter 6, we see Yeshua is teaching his followers, and he specifically talks about those who mistreat you. Uh, again, Nadavia, how amazing that you talk about Joseph uh, because Joseph was mistreated by his brothers. And, uh, and sure enough, Yeshua is talking about those who mistreat you. Verse 28, Yeshua says, Bless those who curse you. Pray for the ones who mistreat you. Do you see how that relates to what she was talking about? Amazing. Now, to the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes your cloak, do not hold back your shirt. Wow, boy, the Messiah Yeshua talking about things that are hard. This one's hard to internalize. Uh, It's so unbelievably contrary to our nature. Yeshua here is teaching us, though, the true nature of God. This is God's nature to, to, to love others, regardless of what it is that they do to you. This is what is in God's heart, and it is for us. It is for us, but also, friends, because why? What happens? We curse God, It says, bless bless them that curse you. We curse God, and sure enough, what does he do? He blesses us, right? He's living what Yeshua says. We curse God through our actions and our disobedience to him. You know, do, do you see what's going on in the world? People frequently curse God and his commands, and without question, God is the judge, no doubt about it, and there is discipline for our misdeeds. Yet at the same time, God's tendency is to be merciful, forgiving, gracious, and yes, Nadavia, generous, and generous too, no question. There's an interesting passage that I wanna share with you today. You can turn to Isaiah 65. It's so interesting, the chapter is interesting, has a lot of depth to it, but it's an interesting passage which is almost mystically kinda cool. And and I'll explain to you in what way uh, in just a minute. It reveals God's heart toward us, but it also reveals the eternal nature of God. It's very interesting, and finally, it demonstrates a theological principle that I think is going to be a blessing to you that perhaps you've not seen before. It's something that as I began examining it and, and the Lord, uh, it really has helped me uh, at various times in my own life. Okay, so here we are in Isaiah. Isaiah, as you know, a prophet who, who prophesied a lot of judgment on Israel because Israel blew a disobedient to God, etc., 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 and, uh, and God was in the process of judging uh, Israel and he's expressing his disappointment with Israel and her disobedience. Let's go to verse 12 of Isaiah 65. God says, I will fate you to the sword and all of you will kneel to slaughter for I called. Here's the key, listen. For I called, God says, I called, but you did not answer. I spoke, but you did not hear So you did what was evil in my sight and chose what I did not delight in. Oof, wow. Here God makes note of Israel's utter disregard of his will and of his call. God says, I want you to take note of this. Why? Because this is gonna come in in a few minutes. It's gonna connect. It's gonna all come together. And I want you to see the parallel and what God's doing with this. It's pretty cool. God says specifically, listen to the words he used. He says, he called but Israel did not answer. He called, but Israel did not answer. He spoke, but Israel did not listen. That's what he says right here in verse 12. I wanna say it one more time. Put it in your head, think about it. Sock it away for just a couple minutes. God said he called, Israel did not answer. He spoke, Israel did not listen. It's a harsh indictment for sure, but really God is setting up Uh, a a contrast, he's setting up a real contrast as we examine the word and what it says because later in the chapter, the whole second half of the chapter of, of Isaiah chapter 65, God is talking about the end days. He's talking about things like the new heaven and the new earth, right? And he reflects on the fact that people in Jerusalem in that day, not in the immediate future when God is disciplining Israel and the Jewish people, but in that day, he says, People will live in Jerusalem in safety, and, uh, and the Jewish people will live long and will prosper there again. It's a picture of restoration of the Jewish people back to their ancestral land. Verse 19, just a little few verses down, as he's talking about this restoration, he says, Then I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No longer will the voice of weeping or the voice of crying be heard in her. Okay, so this is beautiful. I want you. I want to paint the picture for you, right? As we're examining this, is that, that God is saying something's going to happen. Beautiful, I'm going to let it happen. I'm going to bring it to pass in Jerusalem, uh, and, the, and really the whole second half of the chapter goes on to describe God's love for Israel and how He will restore us. So again, the first half of the chapter and much of, of course, the book of Isaiah is God's discipline and punishment of our people because we blew it. We we did we're we cursed God, right? We, 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 messed, we messed with him. We did the wrong things. And he said, I'm going to discipline you. I'm going to scatter you. Your, destruction's coming your way. But one day, I'm going to bring you back. And man, when I bring you back, it's going to be some good times. It's going to be some good stuff. And I'm going to restore. And I'm going to bring back. And, and I'm going to love it. I mean, he's just he's effusive in, in, in his expression of love and how he will restore Israel and the Jewish people. So it is within this context, this part of this that he says something that's quite profound that has many implications all of which are blessings all of which are blessings remember now remember back I told you to keep track of it in verse 12 that God said he called Israel did not answer he spoke Israel did not listen now here Now hear what God says about he lovingly was going to turn the table. I want you to check this out. It's a pretty cool insight. And and if you dissect it, you can see the juxtaposition of what God is doing here. Verse 24 of Isaiah 65, verse 24, a few verses down. It says this, God says, when this great love and restoration happens to the Jewish people in Israel and Jerusalem, God says, and it will come to pass... That before they call, I will answer. And while they're still speaking, I will hear. What a contrast. Did you see it there? There's a lot. Wow, there's a lot to unpack about this. First of all, what? You know, I think about this and I think, what? How is this even possible? Think about the turnabout. Right? Because in earlier, verse 12, what do we read? We read that God called but Israel did not answer. Yet in God's beautiful redemption, he says that before Israel even calls, God will answer. Do you get that? Before Israel even calls, God will answer. It's it's absolutely amazing considering what Israel did to God. And whereas God spoke, Verse 12, God spoke and Israel did not listen, it says. Here we read that Israel will still be speaking and God will hear. Wow, do you see the, the contrast here? And also, wow, that relates so much to Nandavia, what you were talking about, about Joseph you know, here it is that he could, have, he could have so easily turned on his brothers because they were so bad to him, but yet he breaks down and weeping and shows them such grace, right? Joseph speaks to you in that way. What a powerful illustration. This is the same story except for on, on, on the level of God and, and his people because God's people turned their backs uh, on God and spit in his face and, and cursed him. And yet God is saying, no, 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 I'm going to... God is essentially outloving Israel. Do you see that? He's outloving Israel. He's not looking to give us what we are due. He is greatly exceeding what we are due. I want for you to think about this, and I want for you to internalize it, because this applies to your life. It's the nature of God that should speak to you. It's like... It's like we stole the silver cups and he's giving us the, gold, the silver candlesticks also. We stole the silver cups. He's given us the silver candlesticks also. We don't deserve the silver cups. And yet God's given us the silver candlesticks on top of that. Wow. Wow. This is the nature of God, y'all. This is, the, this is how God is toward us. Totally undeserved. Joseph's brothers, you're right. They didn't deserve the grace and mercy that Joseph gave them. That they were living in luxury, surviving the famine when everybody else were, many people were starving because Joseph had favor on them that was so totally undeserved. When they were so cruel, it's an understatement to Joseph just 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 being even Stephen joseph could have said hey by the way i'm joseph i'm not going to kill you but you know take a hike he could have easily just said that but he didn't do that he lavished love he broke down weeping this is the way god is for us for you this is the way god is for you you're right about that nadavia and additionally, friends, this is something that's kind of cool. Within this, Evan, you're going to like this. Uh, within this is a deeply theological paradox that has ramifications to both the heart and the nature of God. Notice in verse 24, God says that he will answer us before we call. Absolutely amazing. I don't know about you, but oftentimes, of course, as I guess there was a rabbi, but even this was before. I'm asked to pray for people and I will get prayer requests in, emails, people will email prayer requests in. Sometimes I don't get it till the next day or if it's sent in over the weekend, sometimes I'll get it on a Monday, a prayer request will come in and I'll, or I'll just hear about our prayer requests and perhaps somebody's having surgery, perhaps somebody's going in for an interview or you know something like that, whatever it is and I pray for them. Lord, help them in the interview. Help them in the surgery. God, heal them, Lord, touch them in the surgery and I pray for them. But I later learned that what I was praying for when I prayed for it had already happened. Okay, has this already has this ever happened to you? I know it's happened to me often. Uh, I I used to so, so so somebody's got an interview on Tuesday. Okay, pray for the interview on Tuesday. But I don't I don't hear I don't hear that it's on Tuesday. I got an interview this week. Pray for it and they have their interview on Tuesday, but Wednesday I, get the, I hear the prayer request and I pray for the Wednesday for the interview that already took place the previous day. Now, what about that? I used to think, well, so much for that prayer. <laughs> that's, that's done, the surgery's already happened, the, the interview's already happened, the situation with Israel's already happened, the, the decision's been made, whatever. You know, so much for that prayer, right? I, that, that's what I used to think. It, it didn't help one way or another, but it's not true. It's not true if you're gonna look biblically and and here examine what God says. God says here that he answered a prayer before we prayed it. That's what he says in the text. He answered a prayer before we prayed it. Wow, that's that's unreal. Uh, This is first a demonstration about the utter loving nature of our God that he's looking to answer our prayers. He just wants us to pray. He wants to commune with us. He wants that communication with us on a regular basis. But also it reveals the infinite nature of God, doesn't it? Think about that. Do I think, do I think that God heard your prayer that was prayed after the fact without knowing that it had already happened and takes that prayer and applies it to whatever happened in the past. Is that what I'm saying? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Totally cool. That's exactly what the text says, by the way. It's remarkable. Now, you gotta remember, God's answer may still be no, okay? So you you pray for something after the fact, and then you find out, well, you know, the answer to the prayer may still be no, but it's like a time travel prayer, according to the word, right? Not to get too hokey, but my friends, I hope you know that God is not limited by time and space. No, I'm not, this is not a science fiction. Uh, okay, I'm not one of those rabbis, right? But, but I, I do like science fiction, but that's, that's not. God is not limited by time and space. What did he say in Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter one? He says, Jeremiah, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. He says, I knew you. Before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. God's pro-life, by the way. God loves us and expresses to Israel that he is so anxious to help us that he's already answering us before we ask. Really remarkable. It reminds me of this passage from Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3. Oh, think about this and apply this to your lives, beloved. Ephesians 3, verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do far beyond all that we ask or imagine by means of his power that works in us, to him be the glory in the community of believers and in the Messiah Yeshua throughout all generations forever and ever. And let us say amen. amen. Wow. It says here that God is able to do far beyond all that we ask or even imagine. God is able to do far beyond even what we imagine. So it's not just that he can apply our prayers retroactively, but he also can do far beyond even whatever it is that we ask for. This is the nature of God, beloved, now, of course, God is not a vending machine. You don't put a coin in and, 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 and get, you know, put a prayer in and, and, and get the answer to prayer like, like a vending machine. He doesn't work like that. We should never take God for granted. But nonetheless, this reveals the nature of God, how he feels about us, how he loves us, how he wants to commune with us. The fact that it's, it's almost like he's willing to give us extra, extra time to be able to commune with him because he loves us so much. How beautiful that is. And Isaiah 65 also says that while you're still speaking, God will hear. The the words are, you know, when I read that and when I think about that, when I contemplate that, it's, it's so interesting because for one thing, it contrasts how we didn't listen to God. God said earlier in the chapter, he spoke and we didn't listen. I mean, have you ever been with someone and have been talking and have the strong suspicion that they're not really listening to you. Has that ever happened to any of you? I'll tell you, it never happens to me when I preach, okay? (laughs) I never look out at you. You know, every once in a while, it's funny, because we're all human, I know that. Listen, I'm human too when I listen to a message. Sometimes every once in a while, even I'm listening to a great speaker, sometimes my mind will drift for a minute or two. Sometimes it's about what the, the speaker's talking about, for that matter. But, but sometimes I'll just kind of be looking around as I'm preaching. And I'll look at somebody and, 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 and I'll, maybe I'll even say their name, and they look at me like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's really great. You know, it'll be like, you know, because Joe, I might say, because Joe, this and that. And Joe's like, what? what, You know, and like, oh, what did he say? Am I supposed to say something? What did he say? What did, what? I, I don't remember what he was just saying. I wasn't really listening, but I got to look like I'm listening. And it's like, oh, my gosh, maybe I can tell from what he says next what he was talking about. Hey, look, yeah, 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 rabbi, yeah, yeah, rabbi. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's ever happened to you, right? But, but, you know, I think God often feels that way. I think God looks down and he's, like, talking to us and, like, Hello, are you listening? Are you listening? Uh, What? 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 You know, uh, oh yeah, God, what was that? You know, he often, and that's what he says we were doing as our people. But he's revealing to us that he is eagerly listening to every word that we say. It's almost like he's just excited to hear. And that's also contrary to the narrative that God is removed from us. Because, friends, if you really get this, it will change how you pray. And it will affect how often you pray as well. If you recognize that God is attentively listening, he hears you even while you're speaking, man. He's wanting to hear what you're saying. Even before you ask the prayer, sometimes he's answering it. Because if you know that, and if you know that he's attentively listening, you're gonna be more ambitious to share. If you know somebody's really listening to you, you're gonna talk to them a little bit more often, and that makes God happy because he loves you so. So today, some of you may be flummoxed at times as to what to pray, or perhaps you just need to know how much God loves you and how much he cares for you. My prayer is that it doesn't take a dramatic demonstration from God of his love for you by saving you from a life of prison, but rather that you'll commune with him and trust in the one who loves you so much That he's willing to go through time and space to consider you. It's amazing. He's amazing. And the title of my message is Silver Candlesticks. Let's bow our heads. I want to ask if there's anybody who's here today who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart. If that's you and you've never given your life to the Lord, but you want to, you want to give your life to Yeshua, if that's you, raise your hand and we'll have a simple prayer. If you've never given your life to the Lord, but you want to today, just raise your hand. If you've never said yes to Yeshua, well, this is a bat mitzvah, it doesn't matter. If that's you and you've never given your life to God, but you want to, raise your hand. If you're watching online and if you've never said a prayer to her, I know Nadavi would make her nothing happier than for this to be a service where somebody comes to believe in Messiah so if you're watching online you've never said that prayer before and you want to repeat the simple prayer after me say dear God I humbly come before you I ask Yeshua to come into my heart I'm sorry Lord I believe he's risen again and sitting at your right hand I'm sorry I've sinned I'll live the rest of my days for you if you said that prayer for the first time please send us an email we want to celebrate with you Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you, God, that you are just like Nadavia talked about. Wow, our messages really correspond and correlate. Just like Nadavia said how, how Joseph forgave his brothers. Just like the, the bishop forgave Jean Valjean. Lord, in the same way and even more so, you forgive us even though uh, we have cursed you. So, Lord, thank you for this. Thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love. And, and you're answering us and you're hearing us. How humbling that is. Thank you for Nadavia and her family. We bless you for it and thank you for this special day. Hashem Yeshua, Amen and
0: Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend.